Today, we're starting a series called Bullseye, okay? Why? Okay, well, this actually came from, we were, we were wrestling with what we wanted to talk about as we kick-started the year, and the idea around Bullseye came out around two ideas. One was scripture, and one was a quote, a quote that I remember. Uh, I don't remember when I first heard it as a kid or as a young adult. I don't remember. I don't know who to give the original props to. I looked it up online uh, just to see who said it first, and the one that they mostly give the credit to is Zig Ziglar. If you aim at nothing, what is it? You will hit it every time, right? How many of you heard that before, right? If you aim at nothing, guess what? You're going to hit it every time. And so when we were thinking about this series, uh, this idea of a bullseye, this idea of a target really came into picture. Here's the scripture, uh, the theme scripture for the uh, series as well. This is, from, this is Paul in Philippians to the church of Philippi. Brothers and sisters, I personally said I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. He was just talking about the fullness of what God wanted for him in his life because he's been teaching the church and talking to them about the fullness of, of their life and God. He says, but one thing I do, I forget what's behind and I strain, straining toward what's ahead, right? Always moving forward, always pressing forward. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I press towards the goal. All the goal-oriented people in this room, you love this verse, right? You love this verse, right? That's right, Matt. You know, you, you got to have goals. You got to have some ideas where you're going. If you aim at nothing, you're going to hit it every time. Now, not everybody's wired that way. I get it. But the question that we wanted to kind of kick off this year with is, do you have a target? Do you have, you know, sort of like this uh, uh, clarity around where you're headed, what you want to accomplish, what you want to see, do you actually have a target? And I had to hunt all over the place just to find something large enough so you guys could really all see the visual uh, of just a regular old target, like with a bullseye, right? Like, do you have something that you, that you have a clear picture of in terms of what you want to press towards, you know, whether it's your work or whether it's your home or relationships or, or spiritually, like, do you have an idea of what that bullseye would be, what that target is in your life, right? New Year's resolutions. This is the time of year. Uh, how many, let me just ask this question because it gets less every year. How many of you still make New, New Year's resolutions? Raise your hand. It's okay. Don't be ashamed of it. You know, yeah. We'll support you, you know. Yeah. And I'm, listen, I'm for it, okay? I'm going to give you some guidelines today, but I'm for it. New Year's resolutions are usually the things we want to start doing more of, Right? or we're going to stop doing. I went ahead and pulled the top 10 most common for 2022. Exercise more, of course, lose weight, stop eating this, get organized, learn a new skill or hobby, uh, save more money, spend less money, right? We could all use that one. Quit smoking, spend more time with family and friends, travel more, because especially with quarantines, like if you haven't traveled in a while, you miss it. You know, you want to be able to do a little bit more of that. Read more, these are just some common ones that they said are going to be in, in 2020. However, I want you to focus, and really, I'm, this is my challenge, don't not make New Year's resolutions. We, we kind of do that. We talk about one word here as a church. I know Tracy's going to be leading our ladies gathering through that this Wednesday, talking about praying through your one word and thinking through that. We talk about that as a church. Um, I'm not against New Year's resolutions. However, I don't necessarily want you just thinking about what you need to start doing or stop doing. All right, don't, don't, don't focus in on just those two things. Why? Because that is usually why 
New Year's resolutions tend to fail. Okay, most people don't really live it out. Why? Because there is a difference between who we are and what we do. Right? There's a difference between who we are and what we do. And when New Year's resolutions only take on the, I'm going to stop this, and I'm going to stop eating this, and I'm going to start doing this, but it's not who you are, guess what? It's going to be very short-lived, right? Because you need to, now I'm, I'm all for, again, resolutions and one words and things that change, but I want you to focus on changing who you are, right? Focus on who you're becoming. I want the, the bullseye, and this is why we really do believe there is a bullseye is when you focus on who you are, it affects every area of your life. So we believe the bullseye across the board is spiritual health. We believe the bullseye for everyone's life is spiritual health. Why? Because we know that where you are spiritually, where you are in terms of your growth spiritually and your engagement in spiritual things affects everything. It's not just a domain in your life where you have your faith in your family, you know, your faith in your church, and then you have your family, and then you have your work, you know, and then you have your kids, maybe that's a, you know, whatever, uh, older siblings, I don't know, like older parents. It's not just a domain, it's the thing that should, as we talked about a few, a few months ago, it's the thing that should rule and reign in every domain, right? Our spiritual lives actually affect everything. So when it comes to a bullseye in terms of the target, we want you as a church to be focused and fixated on what is the clear target in terms of our, my spiritual engagement and growth this year that will in turn change who I am, which also will in turn change what I do. This is another great verse I love in Proverbs. I love the Proverbs. This is a wonderful, uh, in terms of advice, in terms of wisdom, get all the advice and instruction you can, Right? So you will be wise the rest of your life. You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. Now, why do I love this verse? Because I love the fact, I'm, I'm just, part of my makeup and wiring is that when I feel like I'm safe and secure, I do like to research things. I do like to kind of get information and study things, you know. If, I'm, if, if I feel pressured and stressed, I can just go with my gut, you know. Anybody else like that? You just go with your gut. But if I feel safe and secure, I kind of, I like, you know, leaning into things and learning more about things and researching things. So the reality is, is that for me, I love this verse but no matter what my plans are, like you can make many plans, and if you are a little bit wired like me, I have so many great plans. I go to sleep, I think of plans. I wake up, I think of plans. I have plans just spontaneously like burst in my mind like, oh, that'd be a great idea. And if Tracy's anywhere around me, she's like, that's not, a, that's not even an idea. That's just a <laughs> random thought, you know? But it's, the idea is like, well, wait, but, 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 but the reality is, is that I can have all sorts of things to aim towards. But if the Lord's will is what's going to prevail, if his purposes are what's going to prevail, in order for me to really experience success in my life, I probably should align what I'm aiming for and what I'm shooting for within his will. Nod your head if everybody's with me, right? If, within his purposes. If, if, you, know, you can make many plans, but the Lord's purposes are what's going to prevail. And so to give you a quick idea, when we talk about a target, when we talk about the clarity of having a target 
to aim for. We're talking about spiritually you as a follower of Christ. You could define Christian a hundred different ways, but you really can't define disciple without looking into Scripture and seeing what exactly does that mean. And so we as a church, you've probably heard us talk about these before, we talk about them as the core ambitions of a disciple, okay? They are the core ambitions, the, 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 the things, the must-dos, the must-bes as a disciple and follower of Jesus. And we center them around these four words, partnering, growing, serving, and leading. Partnering, growing, serving, and leading. This is our target. When somebody asks us, well, what does it mean to be a follower of Christ? What does it mean? You know, we have lots of scripture and lots of different ways we can go about the conversation, but we try to make it easy. We try to give them handles, real clear handles to say, you know what the target is? It's partnering, it's growing, it's serving, and it's leading. That if you want to aim your life as a follower of Christ to continue to grow and, and experience the fullness of God's purpose in your life, those are the four things we're going to tell you and kind of direct you in, in terms of your life. And we love the fact that the first two really are centered on who we are. Now, we do give action words to them, but, but who we are in these terms of these first two is, are we fully engaged partners with God, with his church? Are we fully engaged partners and are we spiritually growing followers? Not growing followers like you're growing corn. Are we spiritually, we, are we growing as followers ourselves? And these are the, these have action in them, but they're, they're action to completely driven by changing who we are, becoming who God wants us to become. And so today I want to talk a little bit about just those first two. We're going to do this over the next couple of weeks, but I want to talk about this idea of who you are becoming and how you can lean into this target, this clear target for you this year. But I also really feel the need to talk a little bit today about the resistance you're going to have, okay? Not just in New Year's resolutions that sometimes happen and most of the time don't, but the true resistance you're going to have when it comes to, to really aiming your life spiritually to grow uh, in these areas. Let's talk about the first one. The phrase that we give is usually partnering brings community. Okay, every one of our word has a phrase. It's just what we do to make it a little easier to remember. But partnering brings community. When you take the step to be a fully engaged partner, it will bring community into your life because it's so tied to partnering with God on mission for your life, but also partnering with the local church. And we center our idea or definition of a partner of a fully engaged partner, as these three things. People who volunteer, people who give, and people that are involved in community circles. Okay, Circles is a word we use that kind of is contrasted by this, rows. We call this rows, right? Anything involved in corporate worship and teaching and those kind of things are in rows, uh, but Christ-centered friendships, Christ-centered relationships where you're accountable to one another, where you're li living life together, those are called circles or groups or, you know, you know, there's lots of different ways in which we call them, but circles is one of the best ways uh, to see it. Look at, look at a few scriptures here. This is in First Peter. Yeah, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. So the call is to use them well to serve one another. Why do people volunteer in church? Why do they actually serve in the context of partnering with a local church? Well, partly because you're part of a family. That's kind of how we describe it sometimes is that you're a family. My kids have to do certain things. Now, they stink at it, but my kids have to do certain things 
because they're part of our family, right? They're just, that's just, you know, you know, not everything goes towards allowances. Not everything, not every chore gives them some sort of benefit. It's just that you live in my house, right? Hey, yeah, there you go. That's right. You live in my house. So you're part of the family and we serve one another, right? That's part of it. And so when you come to a church and you really want to fully engage as a partner, we really do expect you to volunteer or to serve because that's part of what we've been called to do. Again, part of the bullseye, part of what we're aiming for. Keep going. You must decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. So giving is a part of the step that we talk about. Now, if you know us as a church, we don't press you on this. We don't pressure you on this. We talk about giving, hopefully in a very healthy way. You can go back and listen to those series. I'm sure we'll have one come up again in the spring or fall. But we like to talk about it from a standpoint of not manipulation, not trying to just inspire you to get, a, get an emotional you know, gift from you in the drawer on the way out, you know, in the, in the thing. But really the idea of do you understand what it is to be generous? Do you understand how richly God's blessed you? And, do you, and in turn, do you respond in such a way in gratitude and obedience to give back to God? And, and that's why we, we love scriptures like this, is don't do it reluctantly. Don't do it in terms of pressure. Like even if we were uh, in an unhealthy place as a church trying to pressure you, like he says, don't do that because God really wants it to come from a heart that's cheerfully giving, a heart that's surrendered to him. Keep going. This is Jesus' words where two or three are gathered together as followers. You might have heard uh, the scripture in the NIV says, in my name, right? Where two or three are gathered in my name, or it says, as my followers. If they're gathered as my followers, I am there among them. Like I'm present. I'm, I'm part of that group. And so for us, again, part of the community and circles that we believe are, are, are dictated by not just Again, the whole of Scripture in terms of doing this, we weren't meant to do this life alone. We know that as a church, part of what we do in terms of partnering is we engage in these Christ-centered relationships and friendships with one another. And we do that in terms of being a fully engaged partner in lots of different ways. Now, if you go to our, one of our growth tracks, um, if you've been to a growth track, or if you go to a growth track this year, uh, you'll notice this. I went ahead and printed it on a card for you. Go ahead and pull the card up. Um, this is something we call a partnership commitment. Now, if you go through Growth Track, um, we'll have you sign it if you have something you want to do. This is not for you to sign and turn in today. It's just, I just copied and pasted it, okay? Um, this is for you just to have, because in case you've ever asked the question, well, what does it mean? What does it mean for this church to be my church? What does it mean for me to be an owner and not a renter here? What does it mean for me to be fully engaged as a partner? Well, you, there's a list, Right? I'm going to protect the unity of my church. How do you do that? By praying for one another, not gossiping and, and being a part of the mission and vision. I'm going to share the responsibility of my church, right? I want to, I want to help lead it in the areas that I can serve, give my talents, give my, my treasures. I want to serve in the ministry of our church. Again, using your talents and, and, and passions for God. Uh, support the expression of our church in terms of worshiping faithfully together. That's what it just means. And we wanted to make sure everybody kind of got a picture of that. Like, like this is what it means to be a part of a local church. And maybe there's something there for you. Like maybe that's, maybe that for you is part of the target that you've been missing. You know, like ch church is something that you simply attend or consume, you know, which is why which is why really COVID and some of the stuff we went through in the last couple of years has really kind of been devastating for churches because a majority of people that did treat church that way that treated it in such a way that really was just for them to consume and for them to attend, well, they're no longer in church. 
Because they found out they could consume and attend at their own leisure, at their own pace, however they wanted to, and it didn't affect their life. And then you saw churches that regardless of rules and mandates and regardless of maybe how you personally you know, felt things were safe or not safe, you saw churches that, that decided to meet. We were one of them, trying to do our best to you know, kind of balance that line between safety and everything else. And then maybe you've ever asked the question, well, why do they have to meet? Well, guys, because, again, it's not something we do. It is who we are. And that's a very hard thing to explain to someone. The church is not something we attend. The reason God's people had to gather together is because it is so driven into the DNA of who we are. Because we are not, we, are not a, we don't have membership at our church. We are not a country club, right? And we are, we're not, okay? Just trust me, the perks aren't that good. I can just promise you. We are partners. The, yeah, long-term, that's right, long-term perks, that's right. But seriously, like, like the way Scripture talks about the church looks more like an army, like a band of brothers and sisters standing against the enemy, standing against, standing against the lies of our culture. Like That's the way the church looks and has looked through, through history. It is just not the country club, which is why we wanted to be really careful with our words. It's not membership here, it's partnering and partnership being a fully engaged partner, I believe for, for many of you, might need to be part of the target on the wall for you to begin to grow spiritually this year. And then it will affect other, every other part of your life. Let me go to the next one, which is growing. We know that growing brings change, right? That's a phrase we've used a lot. When you want to grow or anything that grows actually changes. That's part of what growth looks like. But there are ways in which this happens. And so I just put a few up here. Again, these are not, you know, conclusive, but spiritual disciplines, these are individual, right? The reading of God's Word, the listening to God's Word, um, prayer, Sabbath, fasting. There's lots of spiritual disciplines. We've done series in the past of disciplines. If you want to go back and listen to some of those, or we'll, I'm sure we'll do more of them this year. But the idea that you actually have something to do, that you yourself can feed yourself, you yourself can, can take on these disciplines to actually grow, in your faith. Then you have uh, worship and teaching, and that would be kind of like what we do now, like the rose, right? This is the rose idea. Worship and teaching is part of, 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 of corporate gathering together. What does it mean to come together and worship? It's not the same as, I mean, guys, again, I understood we had to do it for a season, but it's just not the same as watching it on your iPad, you know? Okay, when I'm on vacation, that's what we do. We, we sit in the car, and we're on vacation, and we'll dial in and get it on the phone and listen to it in the car, and, you know, the mix is eh, sometimes good. No, no offense, Brett. Uh, but, you know, we, we do the best we can back there, don't we, Brett? We do the best we can. But the mix isn't always great, and there's, you know, it's just, and it's just something to view. But, boy, does our heart just engage and want to engage because there's something about corporate worship that cannot, cannot be anywhere else. The teaching of God's Word. Again, I don't necessarily consider myself to be a fantastic teacher. I'm definitely driven uh, by apostolic leadership and pastoral leadership. Uh, but for, te- for me, teaching is just helping motivate you. <clears throat> I, I can't make anybody do anything, but if I can help push you to take a step, if I can motivate you to take a step, we always tell you when you take a step, God will meet you there. And that's, my, that's how I see me. That's how I see this time uh, when we're together. 
Again, community in circles. This is a lot in terms of how, it grow, how we grow spiritually, in terms of reading the Bible, in terms of some of the disciplines. A lot of this is done in relationships. It's not just you trying to figure it out through Google. You know, it's done in the context of you know, leaning into Christians who've been walking this, this walk a little bit longer than you, and then you working with people who, who are brand new. And then, we're going to talk more about these next week, but a big way in which we grow is some of the things that we engage in doing, in serving and leading. Like when you really begin to take those steps in serving others and leading other people to Jesus, I'm telling you, there's nothing that grows your faith like that. And we'll, again, we'll, we'll lean into that a little bit more uh, next week. Here's a couple of scriptures for, for, for those. Uh, this is uh, Hebrews, you've probably heard this before, let us think of ways to motivate one another. That's part of what we do when we gather, to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. We're going to encourage one another, especially now that the day of this return is drawing near. Probably one of the hardest things I see in our culture is trying to convince people that gathering together is not a loss of time, but a gain of, of understanding who you are and a gain of being able to motivate one another towards love and good works. Gathering, whether it's small groups and circles or even in large groups, gathering is not just a waste of time or a loss of time. It helps you with your perspective. It helps you gather with people who, don't, who aren't just like you, right? And guess what? Social media is not going to give it to you. Okay, social media is not to make money, okay? So they're going to they're find what you like and just shove it in your face. But when I gather with other people who aren't just like me, Man, does it round up my perspective. Man, does it give me incredible joy to see the fullness of God's body. Because we are the body of Christ. We'll read that again in a minute. But Romans 8 also says this. Uh, Don't conform, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the changing the way you think. And that's why, again, that's why I really, I really encourage you. Again, now I don't want to just <laughs> trash your New Year's resolutions, but just rethink them. Is it changing who you are? Is it changing how you think, how you approach things? If it's not, if it's just a do list and a don't do list, maybe rethink them. Maybe go to the root of it. Because that's what God's going to do with us in terms of spiritually that target. When we really go towards that target, man, he's going to work from the inside out. He wants to change who you are, not conforming to a pattern, but actually being transformed internally so that when you express, when you do, because of who you are, it really is a change. It really is a difference. Now, this is what I wanted to get to a little bit before we uh, rounded it out today. Was I want you to beware the resistance, okay? Because all of this is easier said than done, all right? Everything that I'm just talking about is easier said than done. Oh, look, here's the target. You know, there's the bullseye. Yay! You know? Have you ever tried to use one of these things and hit a bullseye? Okay, it's impossible. Now, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not allowed to aim it at anyone. Um, so uh, this is Pastor Don's, as you can tell. And I, uh, I, you know, when I even, even when I held it today, I was just like, oh my gosh, this thing has killed things before. I'm just telling you that right now. So I look at this and I go, okay, well, again, even someone like him who's, a, who, who's got experience, depending on where you put him in the room or me, like saying, aim for the target, saying hit the bullseye is so much easier said than done, okay? Because even when you know what you're doing, even when you bring some stuff to the game, right, there is still a challenge in terms of actually hitting the target. 
And yet that's what we want. That's what, that's what the whole purpose of New Year's resolutions in terms of starting a new year, new you, right, is, is I want to be able to hit that target. I want to be able to think about the bullseye of me growing spiritually so that all the other areas of my life, it ripples out. All the other areas of my life are affected. And yet there's going to be, just like shooting this arrow from this bow to this target, there are factors that cause resistance for you and for me to actually hit the target, all right? Let me just walk you through a few of those, of the, of the, of the things that cause um, resistance. Now, these are just a few. These aren't all of them. Apathy, distance, and outside forces, all right? Now, apathy is just, quite frankly, apathy is just what it is, okay? Many of us don't even pick up the bow. We don't see the target. We don't see the need. Uh, we don't understand how spiritual health does affect everything else in our life. We're apathetic to, spiritual, to the things of spiritual nature. We just do not have a drive or desire or passion or zeal for the things of God. And so one of the first things of resistance you have to get over is your apathy. Right? Why? Well, many times it's affluence, right? You've never needed God for anything. You know, we do live in a culture and a world of, of, of affluence. It's like, you know, having an understanding of need is really hard. It's definitely first world problems kind of need. Sometimes it's comfort. We're just kind of happy where we are. It's called a comfort zone for a reason, right? We enjoy it. We like being there. We don't want to risk and, and do all these. That's part of fear. Fear will cause us not to risk and, and leave our comfort zones. Sometimes it's arrogance because we think we could do it better. We have better targets. We, we, have a better, we know better than God does what we need and what we're going to press towards and, and what 2022 really needs out of us and what we want to get out of it. And so we have to, again, this is just one of those things that you have to address. If you sense that in you, you just have to start there, right? Like there's just apathy. There's just no zeal. There's no passion. There's nothing that drives you to long and to investigate and to engage in anything spiritually. And I would just tell you that that's one of the first places of resistance for you. Now, when you pick up the bow and you do it, the other thing is distance. Now, distance, the reason I, I wanted to bring that in is because distance does determine your approach, okay, in terms of hitting the mark. Distance does affect that. Hitting the bullseye from where Dan's sitting, I'm pretty sure Dan could hit the bullseye. I'm not going to do it because I don't want to die. But Dan, just in case I'm wrong, Dan could probably hit the bullseye from there. But if I go all the way back to the back, right, like Steve, you, well, you could probably do it too. But anyway, you know, Steve... It's going to be harder, right? You have to, you have to adjust the angle. You've got to adjust the approach of how you want to hit that target. And the reason I say that is you need to understand the distance you might be from certain things, all right? Like, I'll be honest, in some of the areas that people struggle with with community, okay, it's not just introverted and extroverted, right? Extrovert people want everybody around. Introvert people are just like, can I just be home by myself? It's not just that, right? We deal with legitimate trauma in our life. We have significant issues 
People that have significant issues. And I've had to meet with people sometimes because community has failed them. They've tried to engage in relationships in the church and, and it just hasn't been what they wanted to be. And I've had to have times when people say, listen, you, know, you, need to, you need to adjust your approach, okay? Because the distance between you and, and, and the kind of community you're looking for requires counseling, all right? I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean it in a good way. It requires counseling. You need counseling for the issues that you're dealing with. You need Christ-centered community for people to motivate and encourage you. But you can't look at your small group as people who are going to be able or capable to provide the support for the trauma that you might be experiencing. Does that make sense? So there is, a, there is an approach to this that you have to think through. You know, if you, if you, you know, if you've read the Bible before, you've read it, you know, you've read, you, you've re- been raised in the church, you've got a good understanding of scripture and you just haven't picked it up in a while, you know, making a few tweaks, finding a good, you know, version Bible app reading plan, that's about all you need to kind of get back on the horse, you know, but you might, you, you know, someone else in the room might really have never read the scripture on your own before and you don't even know where to start. And so sometimes you need a group, okay? You need a, I know the McCollums are teaching a group right now about how to study scripture and going through a book on the hermeneutics and helping to understand, like, how do you approach this? That's a little more advanced level. I'm starting, I'm leading a group with my wife called Starting Point, where it's like, people just need a new starting point for faith. You might need to find a group that's just reading through scripture and say, can I just sit down and read through scripture? You might need to ask a friend, hey, can let's just read through the gospels together. I've never read the Bible before. Can we just read it together and stumble our way through it? Again, distance is going to determine your approach. So understand that as you're trying to you know, reach this target and aim. You need to know the distance you are from that target so you can have that proper approach. And then let's face it, there's outside forces. <laughs> there's wind resistance and speed and all sorts of other stuff that's going to affect whether or not you hit that target. And those outside forces, for most of us, is that spiritual battle that Courtney was singing about today. As, as I've heard one person describe it before, which I love, this always just sticks in my head, is that I am running a race uh, with my enemy who is stalking me, right, on a course that keeps changing. And I have a saboteur within, right? Like I'm running a race with a real enemy who doesn't want me to win. There is a course in this world, this culture, that keeps shifting and changing in front of me. And then I have a flesh nature. I have an old man, and I am an old man, but I have an old man, this old fleshly nature in me, that doesn't want me to succeed either. So when I talk about outside forces, I mean, I mean you have some significant outside resistance. When you start really aiming your life, when you start really wanting to hit that target, to, to make spiritual growth the bullseye that's going to ripple and affect everything else in your life. And here's what's really hard, too. Sometimes that outside resistance, it just wants you to focus on something else. And here's what's hard, guys. Sometimes it might even be other Christians. It might even be other Christians. They don't realize it. But you're wanting to make some real significant changes to grow spiritually, and they're just not there right? And they want you to focus on the same thing they're focused on. They want you to focus on politics and, and you know, and the, and the media, and they want you to focus on uh, all sorts of other issues. They want you to focus on other things than what you needed to be focused on. They want to commiserate how life isn't fair, and they need you to be a part of that. 
Sometimes it's not just the focus that's wrong, it's that the enemy wants to convince you that if you miss the target enough, that he can whisper in your ear that it's not, you'll never be able to hit it. He can whisper in your ear that the reason you can't hit it is because of who you are, because you're not worthy enough to do it. You, God doesn't, that's not God's plan for your life. There's resistance coming. I just want, I just, I feel the need to be able to be honest with you. There's resistance coming. You need to be able to understand that as one of the things that's going to make it difficult as you move into this year and as you rethink sort of your resolutions and start thinking about who you are and maybe some of the steps you need to take in partnering and growing, that there's going to be a resistance factor there for you. Several things that could come out. Let me read some scripture for you that kind of helps kind of push this along. Uh, I love this in Corinthians. Paul says, stop deceiving yourself. If you think you're wise by the world's standards, then you're going to need to become a fool in order to truly be wise. You guys with me? Like it's, like, it's basically like, if you think you got it all figured out, guess what? You need to become more like a child. This is where the childlike faith comes from. When you think you have this world figured out and you're wise to the world standards, yeah, you, you sort of need to become a fool again. Keep going. This is uh, to the church in Ephesus. He says, we don't want to be no longer like immature like children, and we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We're not going to be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever. They sound like the truth. And boy, isn't that a big cultural issue right now in this day? Lies that are so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we want to speak the truth in love. We're going to grow in every way more and more like who? Yeah, let's read it out loud together. We're going to grow more and more like like Christ, who is the head of the church, who is the head of his body, the church. Um, don't be fooled. This is again to the church in Ephesus later on. He says, don't be fooled by those who want to try to excuse these sins. He's given them a list of things. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things that these people do. Don't try to just excuse your sin. Keep going. Once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For the light within you produces only what is good and true, right and true. This is who you are now. We talked about this on Christmas Eve. You now have this light to shine out to the world. This light is now in you. Don't spend another year excusing your bad behavior, excusing your sin, trying to justify why you still get angry, why you still get drunk why you're still struggling with, uh, with depression and anxiety, and why you're still struggling with those pills, and why you're still struggling in this relationship way. Like, don't stop excusing and justifying your sin. When you know, based on the target, based on the clarity of where you want to head, that that's not what God wants for you. But expect the resistance. Know that it's coming so that you can persevere and continue to work towards who you need to become, who you really are. Let me give you two um, quick, encouraging words. First, the church is here for you. 
All right? The church, this church, is here for you. I went ahead and put this on the back of the card uh, so you could have it because some, some of you in this room love this. You love having an entire year, don't you, Debbie? An entire year of dates, right? An entire year of dates of things coming up. And when I change them, she's going to remind me that I changed them, right? This is an entire year of things that we are offering. Because again, as a church, all we can do is be here for you, is to help with opportunity, to, to encourage you right, to help you take steps. So we've got, you know, uh, we've got Coffee with Pastors happening uh, every month, like before, especially for new people coming in. Um, we've got, uh, where's, my, where's my list here? Oh, yeah. Well, we've got, um, uh, we're going to bring back Discovering Journey. We're going to bring back the lunch that comes about once a quarter for people who are new as we continue to go through this rebuilding time and rebuilding areas of church. We, we thought we needed to do that. We're bringing that back. We have uh, new partner nights happening. We have leader links for our leaders, right? We have nights of worship that we're going to be planning. There's just a lot of things on here, camps and things. Uh, we want you to be aware of opportunities and ways in which you can engage and in ways in which we know you can grow. Now, I couldn't add on here all the things we want to do with groups and continue to see new groups form and, and continue to grow in our groups and, and uh, teams, but that's a part of it as well. The church is here for you. And I love this, this verse in the Psalms. It talks about how we celebrate, right? It says, may God, may he grant your heart's desires and make all your plans succeed. This is, if I could give you a prayer from me, for this church, for you, it would be this. I want, I want you, God, to grant your heart's desires and help your plans, as long as they're pointed in the right direction, help your plans succeed, right? And may we shout for joy when we hear of your victory. Okay, that's what the church should do. When we shout for joy, encouraging one another, motivating each other, when you have those victorious moments and raise the victory banner in the name of our God. And may the Lord answer all your prayers. That's what I want this church to be. That's what I want the relationships in this church to look like. That we're encouraging and motivating one another, but we actually celebrate with one another when God does amazing, amazing things in people's lives. But better news than that, because we want you to hit the bullseye, but so does God, right? This is the best news in the world. I have to do this right there. Ten points. All right. The church wants you to succeed. We're here for you. But even better than that, God wants you to succeed. Nobody wants you to succeed in this direction, in this target, more than God, right? Like nobody wants you to grow spiritually more than God wants you to grow spiritually. Nobody wants you to partner on mission with him, with the local church and with him more than he does. So you think you're going to align your New Year's resolutions, your goals to be in line with his purpose, then you know you're going to have the power of God with you to do it because God is for you. I love reading this. Uh, this is my favorite one to read every year, and I'll close this out here. Um, this is my favorite passage to read every year, new, every new year, is Romans 8. I love going back to Romans 8 every new year. I'm going to highlight just a few things, but just, just to hear the encouragement that God is for us. Therefore, so now, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. There's no guilt, there's no shame, there's nothing to look back. That's why Paul said, I can forget what's behind me, and I can look forward only and press towards the goal. Because you who belong to him of the power of the life-giving spirit, we have been freed. He has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. We are free in Jesus. Keep going. Verse 11. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, that's right, he lives in you. 
The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead and lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit now living within you. Keep going. Verse 31. What shall we then say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Boy, if you just, if you just could hold on to that one this year. Man, if God is for me, then what am I worried about? What am I anxious over? What am I, what am I caught up in? Who could ever be against us? Keep going. Down to verse 38. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor fears of today or worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Keep going. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that has been revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. The church is for you. God is for you. The Lord's, you can make a lot of plans. You can have a lot of uh, New Year's resolutions, guys, but the Lord's purpose is going to prevail. So why not make your target? Why not make your, the thing you're pushing your life towards, why not align it spiritually with him so that it can hit that bullseye and it can affect every other area in your life? We're going to do this. We're going to pick this up again next week and talk a little bit more about the things we do because of who we are and how we are being transformed uh, because of him. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much today. Just for you, so much of your word that encourages us as we long to be growing as followers of you. And for everyone here listening today and online that <laughs> needs to take steps in partnering and growing, God, give them just the wisdom and the and the boldness to ask questions, to come forward, to uh, request, to talk to a friend here at church, to talk to somebody else and say, you know what, I need to take this step. I need to move forward. I need to make this a part of my new year plans, resolutions, and goals. And God, as they take those steps, I just pray that you do what you've always been faithful to do, which is you meet us in those steps. And it's by your power and by your spirit, we give you thanksgiving for all that you do in us. In your name, Jesus. Amen.